0: I'm Lou Mirando and welcome to today's reading of USA Today for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. The front page cover story is titled, Long COVID Sufferers Are Feeling Abandoned, by Eduardo Cervese and Karen Weintraub. More than a year after catching COVID-19, Sawyer Plaza still can't practice his weekly rituals, running for miles in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park, or biking around his adopted homeland. In many ways, the pandemic isn't over for the 27-year-old and millions of other Americans. It may never be. They have long COVID, a condition characterized by any combination of 200 different lingering symptoms, some of which, like loss of taste and smell, are familiar from initial infections and some totally alien, like the utter exhaustion that makes it impossible for Blatz to walk more than a block. I feel homesick for my city, he said, a laid-off software engineer who now uses his limited energy to advocate for long COVID patients. Federal estimates suggest at least 16 million Americans have long COVID and maybe 4 million of them, like Blatt's, who contracted his only COVID infection in November 22, are disabled by it. Along with other patient advocates and doctors, Blatt says the pace of government funding research has been too slow and too small to address the problem of this magnitude. Many with long COVID have been left with debilitating conditions with no benefits yet seen from hundreds of millions of tax dollars poured into understanding and treating the chronic disease. As Blatz puts it, there are still zero proven treatments for people like him. The urgencies and finances are not meeting the moment, he said, who has tried more than 50 medications, supplements, and exercise regimes over the past year to no avail, avail, and he co-founded a group called Long COVID Moonshot, to channel this grief over my life being ruined. New research is published nearly every week, including recent studies showing that vaccines can reduce the risk of developing long COVID, that inflammation can disrupt the normal barrier between the brain and the rest of the body, causing brain fog, and that are identifiable changes in the muscles of some people with long COVID, which could explain why exercise wears them out rather than making them stronger. The complexity of both the disease and the drug development system, not to mention the difficulty getting doctors to believe them and the insurance to pay for visits, have left long COVID patients feeling alone and adrift. Americans are paying a price. According to a 2020 2022 analyst, long COVID cost the American economy at least $200 billion a year because of lost productivity, lost wages, and medical costs. And it's not going to go away without a lot more attentions, said David Petrino, who directs Rehabilitation Innovation at Mount Sinai Health System. It's a problem we need to address rapidly and aggressively. Otherwise, we're all going to pay for it. In a paper in the Sunday J- Journal Science published last week, researchers argued long COVID provides an historic opportunity to rethink acute, acute chronic diseases that result from many infections and to prepare for future pandemics. This really needs to be an all-hands-on-deck situation. Dr. Zaid Ali al an author of the paper told USA Today, a bolder approach is needed. Still long COVID advocates see the federal effort as anemic and flexible and slow. The current approach is wholly unsatisfactory and very, very, very small, not ambitious at all. The trials might point to a potential treatment, but they won't provide any breakthroughs. Instead, tens of thousands of existing drugs drugs should be evaluated to develop lists of candidates that might also work for long COVID patients, and the private sector should be encouraged to develop new treatments. Right now, large companies are afraid to invest in a hugely expensive process of developing long COVID drugs because there's no global agreement either on how to define long COVID or on what improvement looks like. Gibbons said his agency's current collaboration with Pfizer testing its drug Paxlovid in long COVID, should provide a regulatory roadmap for other companies. Petrino of Mount Sinai said he thinks the federal trials are also too simplistic. Long COVID patients' conditions are some of the most complicated he's ever seen. Delivering a single drug, device, or therapy isn't going to enable someone who can barely manage a shower or suddenly return to work. He's compared the one-drug-at-a-time approach to taking one nail out of someone's foot while leaving four more deeply embedded. Instead, researchers need to be testing multiple approaches simultaneously using complex, cutting edge clinical trial designs to see which combinations of therapies will help other patients. Petrino said his studies will differ from those being done by the federal government because they will match people with specific symptoms and biological indicators to treatments targeted to those symptoms rather than testing every treatment on everybody with long COVID but Ali Ali and Gibbons said they see long COVID research as an opportunity to help others with chronic ailments after infections. Scientists have known for at least since 1918 flu that short-term illnesses can lead to long-term consequences. People infected with the flu strain were at much higher risk of later developing Parkinson's. Similarly, people infected with polio in childhood, even those who escaped its worst effects, may get stricken decades later with post-polio syndrome, a debilitating muscle disease. By seeing so many people get sick around the same time and learning how to help those with long COVID, scientists should also be able to help others who struggle to recover or suffer consequences after another infection, he said. We've marginalized these conditions and swept them under the rug for the past hundred years. This pandemic is an opportunity to do it right. Our next story is titled, Memory Supplement Labels Are Misleading by Ken A. Tucker. Some veterans of a dietary supplement sold as a memory enhancer for Alzheimer's patients contain wildly inaccurate amounts of the drug, a study shows. Galitaliamine, a plant extract, is sold as a generic approved by the FDA that requires a prescription to treat mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. It's also sold without a prescription as an over-the-counter supplement. Vendors market these products as aids for boosting memory or promoting lucid dreams. The labels on the genetic drugs and dietary supplements all say they include identical amounts of galantamine. However, a Harvard University study published on Friday says contents vary widely. Researchers concluded, based on product testing, that the genetics were largely accurate, containing at least 97.5% of the ingredients listed on their labels. However, the dietary supplement labels were far less accurate. In one case, a supplement contained just 2% of the ingredients in the quantities the label listed. Furthermore, three of the ten supplements purchased from vendors on Amazon contained the type of bacteria known to cause diarrhea. Researchers say the study illustrates how differently the FDA regulates prescription drugs compared with over-the-counter supplements. The FDA must approve applications from drug companies before they are allowed to market or sell a prescription. However, companies do not need FDA approval before they sell a dietary supplement. No regulator checks before a company markets a supplement, but the makers must present evidence that they're selling is, what they're selling is safe and the label on the product is accurate. Researchers say their findings raise questions about the lack of oversight. There's no checks required prior to supplements going on store shelves. In a case of amine, Cohen said... Consumers should be wary about purchasing over-the-counter supplements. While these products are are purported to carry the same ingredients as prescription medicines, his team found what's actually in the bottle is completely different. The Council for Responsible Nutritionist Trade Association for the Dietary Supplement distanced itself from the Galatanian products in a statement to USA Today. Products containing Galatanean are not legitimate dietary supplements, and, if offered as such, are illegally marketed. The Council for Responsible and Nutritious urges the FDA and any retailers who are selling these fake supplements to immediately remove them from the market. One problem in terms of controlling the output of supplements, like those that the FDA doesn't know about, are, that supplements are, are how supplements are sold, when new products are introduced, or when these products contain. The FDA this year proposed legislation that would require companies to list which dietary supplements they sell, The Federal Regulatory Agency also has sought the authority to take more action against companies that produce non-compliant products. I see this as mainly a problem with the regulatory framework. Congress has stipulated that the FDA has no role in vetting or checking the quality of dietary supplements before they land on the market. FDA spokesman Courtney Rhodes said the agency does not comment on specific studies, but confirmed officials would review the Gallatinian study Dr. Peter Lorre, president of executive director of the Ch- Center for Science and the Public Interest, said the study was a rare direct comparison of prescription drugs and dietary supplements. This is a massive black eye for the supplement industry, and it shows the quality of their products does not meet the kind of standard that any American would expect. Now let's read some stories out of the money section. Lead story is Ditching Landlines May Erase Lifeline for Some by Betty Lynn Fisher, Charlene Hopi has seen firsthand why having a traditional phone landline in her house is beneficial. Hopi, who lives in the Santa Monica Mountains region, has lived through California wildfires and earthquakes. She had friends who couldn't make a call or receive a call during the disasters, those who had ditched their landlines for cell phones and didn't have good cell service, and friends who still had landlines but had only cordless phones that were rendered useless when they lost electricity. People could not communicate to an emergency, said Hopi, who's 72, who has a cell phone and doesn't like to use it. Hopi is among a dwindling number of consumers who chose to still have traditional landline using copper wires, but they may eventually not have that choice. The California Utilities Commission is considering an application by AT&T to waive its responsibilities to be what's called carrier of last resort, meaning the utility has to offer the copper wire landline service. The utility said in filings with the commission that the technology for the traditional landlines is sold and demand is low. The utility and many of its peers have been petitioning state utility commissions and state legislatures, asking to be relieved of the task of maintaining and offering the traditional landline service. Consumer advocates said that's not only a bad idea, but it also leaves the country's most vulnerable without a basic utility. There is concern, especially for senior citizens who aren't interested in eliminating their landlines for cell phones and for consumers in rural areas that may not have good cell service. Traditional landlines have provided reliable service for over a century, and many consumers have adopted new technology, not at all have access to affordable alternatives to landlines. In some cases, phone companies are seeking to both eliminate the obligation to provide landline service and no longer provide discounts to income-qualified customers on their phone bill. That would be a devastating one-two punch for these customers. Many senior citizens are adept at new technology, including cell phones, but they just prefer the landline and should have access to one that's also affordable. Weinstein's 91-year-old mother has a cell phone and uses a computer. She's pretty good, darn good, but when I call her on the cell phone, she always says to me, call me on the landline. Her mother, who wears a hearing aid, can hear better on the landline. That, there's a lot of concerns, particularly for older people, about how they will connect to people without having that landline. Alternatives to landlines, such as cell phones or Voice over internet protocol phones, cost more than traditional basic f- phone service and require good cell or internet service and electricity. On Thursday, the reliability of traditional landlines became clear when tens of thousands of at and cellular service users woke up to outages, which remain throughout the day. Some emergency service providers suggested residents find a landline to make emergency calls or someone with a working phone. The number of households nationwide with landlines is d- dwindling. Since 2007, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has tracked estimates of how many U- U.S. households have wireless service only. The report, based on data through the second half of 2022, estimates between 72% of adults and 81% of children live at home with only wireless phone service. That data also tracks swift estimates from research firm, which estimates that in 2024 about 80% of all individual phone voice connections are through mobile phones, and 20% are through landlines. That 20% represents around 88 million lines of nationwide. The phone line utilities are struggling with equipment that is no longer being made and a sh- shrinking number of employees who are qualified to service the equipment because they are either retiring or are laid off during sound downsizing. The biggest losers, though, will be consumers who want or need to keep the copper line landline. Many services such as home alarm systems rely on copper line landline, and some businesses have equipment such as elevators, callbacks, call boxes that depend on landline service. But even if phone companies get the approval to eliminate landlines, they won't disappear overnight. The best anything for anybody to do is go look for alternatives so they're not surprised when they don't have access to a landline. If California allows the waiver for at and it becomes a slippery road for other states. I think the nation is watching California very closely, said, uh, said Costa. Is there a replacement that will guarantee service to all customers and guarantee reliable service? The service needs to be available to all customers at a reasonable cost customers really get squeezed with service offerings and price increases. Having reliable access to 911 is an an, an emergency, and especially when there are power outages, also is imperative. If phone companies are going to eliminate copper line landlines, they need to have reliable power backups for alternative methods so that those without cell service can make emergency calls, or they must provide other phone alternatives. I don't want the consumer to all of a sudden find themselves stranded or isolated or incapable of communicating. Everybody should have access to 911. Hopi, the California landline user, says her landline is so important that she and her husband pay for both traditional copper wire landline and a fiber optic line for his business through their character Fios. She worries that if AT&T is allowed to drop landline services, other carriers will follow. If AT&T and other companies that have bought up the former Bell Telephone companies, are allowed to eliminate copper wire landlines. That's a violation of the decree to break up the utility in 1982. There was a promise to provide landline service, and taking that away without offering consumers a cost-effective alternative forces consumers to the phone companies sell services. His nonprofit has 134,000 current employees and retirees of former Bell telephone companies. He said, landlines are lifelines. And this story, Tooth Fairy's payout takes a hit this year. It may be in the Tooth Fairy's heart to give more this year, but it isn't in her wallet, according to the annual Tooth Fairy report released by Delta Dental. The value of a single tooth declined by 6% over the past year, making it the first time in five years parents have decreased their payout. Last year, the average payout was $6.23. This year, the amount is $5.84. And the value of the child's first tooth dropped from $7.29 to $7.09 this past year. And if you like sailing, sail on Holland America's Grand World Voyage. If visiting all seven continents is on your travel bucket list, a new cruise from Holland America Line will make it easy. The cruise line's 2026 Grand World Tour will traverse the globe over 132 days, stopping at 47 ports in 39 countries. Passengers have to get themselves to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the trip's round-trip departure point. The cruise will set sail on January 4, 2026 on the Line's Volodam ship. Passengers will head down South America's east coast before making their way to Antarctica. The ship will then head to destinations such as the South Pacific and Australia, The remainder of the voyage includes Singapore, the Maldives, the Mediterranean, and Northern Europe. Pricing info is not yet available, but an inside cabin on the line's 2025 Grand World Voyage starts at $24,999. And the transmission problem prompts a Toyota recall. Toyota is recalling approximately 280,000 vehicles because certain parts of the transmission may not immediately disengage when the vehicle is shifted to the neutral position. The affected models include certain 22 to 24 model-year Toyota Tundras and Toyota Hybrid 2023-24 model-year Sequoia and 2022-24 model-year Lexus LX600 vehicles in the U.S., according to company. Toyota and Lexus dealers will update software for the transmission at no cost to the customer. And Dulles Airport offers global entry interviews. There's a new way to complete your global entry interview if you're traveling through Washington Dulles International Airport. Global entry interviews can be hard to get. Applicants with conditioned approval routinely have to wait for months before finalizing the process. Customs and Border Protection, which runs the expediting program, have long allowed international travelers to complete their interviews on arrival at select airports. But now Dulles is the first airport to offer pre-departure interviews. According to CBP, travelers must be flying out on an international flight to qualify for pre-departure global entry interviews. In addition to their passport, they need to present proof of residence. Now let's go over to sports for the closure of our program. The lead story is titled, Billion Dollar Answer. Major League Baseball Teams Try to Find a Few More Horses for Rotations by Gabe LeCac. As Chris Bassett's career Nears an apex, it's clear there are certain terms that will likely never be associated with the Toronto Blue Jays' number three starter. Generational? Hardly. Hall of Famer? Almost certainly too late for that. Cy Young award winner? Sure. He's received some down-ballot love in recent years, but there will always be a flashier, more dominant force in any given season. Yet as Bassett reaches his 35th birthday, he represents an increasingly valued relic in the Major League Baseball. The reliable veteran starter, capable of pitching quality innings, innings, saving bullpens, and quietly, almost invisibly, keeping a team on track and in contention. In the 2023 season, Bassett reached 200 innings pitched for the first time, capping a three-year run in which he averaged exactly six innings per start, his ERA ranging from 3.15 to 3.6. He's helped the New York Mets and Blue Jays reach the playoffs, the Lather, relying heavily on a front three of Kevin Gossman, Jose Barros, and Bassett, who tossed 185, 189 and two-thirds, and 200 innings, respectively. That trio and the Blue Jays are both outliers. In 2023, just five major league pitchers completed 200 innings, down from 33 in 2014, and 25 managed at at least 180 innings, compared to 65 a decade ago. If it seems like Bassett and company from a different time well they do. Throw-in number 4 starter Yushi Kabuchi and all four Toronto hurlers began their professional careers between 2010 and 2012, just before the most transformational decade for the sport's modern history began. That period has brought both blessings and vexing curses. Analytics offer superior matchups if starting pitchers don't face hitters a third time. Maximum velocity from pitchers ensure better outcomes and pitchers are smarter, more selective, and trained to hunt for maximum damage than ever before. Somehow, though, the game's most valued pitchers and their most successful teams still feature pitchers who know how to get deep within the game and across an entire season. Finding more of them is proving to be an industry challenge. Major League Baseball limits pitching staffs to 13. In 2023, the five teams requiring the fewest relief innings won between 87 and 90 games, with all but the 88-win Mariners making the playoffs. The next five include the champion Rangers and three more playoff teams. While the development and handling of pitchers does not necessarily encourage gaudy innings pitch totals, the market certainly rewards it. The Los Angeles Dodgers delivered the largest guaranteed pitching contract, $325 million, for a right-hander who's never pitched an inning in the big leagues. Yes, Yoshihimo Yamamoto's dominance in Japan, where he hit 193 innings pitched as a 22, 23 year old, convinced several teams to offer him a blank check virtually sight unseen. It's not a bad bet given the challenge Major League Baseball franchises face mastering a starting pitching equation that amounts to an equilateral triangle. Maximum velocity, innings pitched, and staying healthy. I wish I had an answer to that, said Mike Elis, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the American League East-winning Baltimore Orioles. If I did, I would probably be worth a billion dollars. How, then, can the industry produce more Chris Bassetts? Because those are certain outcomes, every home run is what's systematically encouraged, then you're developing players that way. And it bleeds down all the way to amateur baseball. And all that is great from draft day through the minors and for those fortunate enough at free agency but plenty of foals are detours along the way to the stable. The percentage of Major League Baseball pitchers who have had Tommy John elbow reconstruction surgery reached 35% in 2023, a linear year-by-year increase from 27% in 2016. That includes every aforementioned arm in this story, the injury disruption and its suspected but unknown correlation to increased velocity, is but one challenge facing organizations who now have have to face 13 pitcher staff limits, a ceiling on total number of minor leaguers in their organization, and a supply-side problem in free agency. It often puts the quick-hook mentality of win today's game today in conflict with taking a balanced and properly rested staff into baseball's increasingly lengthier postseason. And that can be a challenge when the emergency arms are grown in an all-gas, no-breaks environment. What's the cost over 162 games to continually do that, as Yankees pitching coach Matt Blaze said? That's where you're getting to that marriage of, this is a better option out of the pen today. But in order to have this a better option in September and October, when do we have to make these decisions to make the guys keep going, and how well-prepared are they to handle the third time through? Maybe that's educating them on not going out, guns-pleasing in the first couple of innings. You see that more advanced major leaguers like Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and these guys, that they will throw their velocity as the game goes on. There's an art to that, understanding how to get into that game. Now you have to have enough staff to be full throttle and pitch your way into enough durability to innings to have stuff at the end of the game. There are qualities that are hard to come by, but you need to create more of those to protect your bullpen. Cole, whose $324 million deal with the Yankees was trumped by Yangamoto's, who won his first Cy Young award last year at 33. He pitched an American League high 209 innings, one year after striking out a career high 257. He said he's won a lot of games being creative and anticipates maintaining success when his 97 mile hour fastball loses some steam and the 200 in the the inning columns nearly holds as nearly as much meaning as the 200 in the strikeout column. I take a lot of pride in that, says Cole. I would have loved to throw 250 innings. There would have been a blast back when people were throwing 250 innings. The strike zone was a little larger then, too, which also would have been a blast. Yet Cole is, in fact, a generational, a Cy Young winner, perhaps edging towards Cooperstown. What about the mere mortals? Bassett is no Luddite. Oh, he certainly excludes old-school ball vibes and credits a trio of White Sox organizational pitching coach, former major leaguer Britt Burns, recently reassigned bullpen coach Kurt Hassler, and pitching advisor Purdue for his development. Yet he also embraces data and relies on ambiguous cameras and tablets to maximize a deception-based arsenal that features no pitch coming out harder than 93 miles per hour but Bassett still can't believe what he witnesses in bullpen sessions when a younger arm delivers a pitch and then immediately turns around asking about velocity and spin and movement and not whether a pitch was good or bad or not. His point? You should know most, if not all the answers after the ball leaves your hand. Right now, the muscle memory I see in so many young boys is in the iPad. That's not going to work. Once technology gets involved and the iPads are implemented, and you could track ve- ve- velocity and spin and all that stuff. It's was such an influx of guys saying, all right, we're going to chase vertical movement. We're going to chase velocity, which is good. It's a tool, but you still got to learn how to pitch. Once you get to the mound and you're facing elite lineups, you don't have an iPad. We're not allowed to tell you this is good or this is bad. You have to know it. As Bassett talks, Gausman, their $115 million staff ace, notes a sign that the washington nationals hung in their spring training bull r- bullpen i don't care how hard you throw ball four that's the message from nationals gm mike sizzo the maximum velocity is useless without command it's a century old sentiment though perhaps it needs a refresh if it has too many commanding velocity robots who have bubbled up to big league teams now let's close with some state by state Out of Norwich, Connecticut, a group of Ukrainian and Ukrainian-Americans in Connecticut recently visited U.S. Rep. Joe Courtney. The group recognized Courtney for his support, and Courtney recognized the group's advocacy for injured Ukrainian soldiers in the current Russia-Ukrainian war. And out of New Bedford, Massachusetts, five vineyard-wide wind tunnels are now operating at full power and delivering energy to thousands of homes and businesses in Massachusetts. Out of Burlington, Vermont, Days before coverage was set to expire on March 1st, the University of Vermont Health Network has reached an agreement with United Healthcare to extend coverage for patients covered by the company's commercial insurance plans through March 31st, 2026. And out of Rye, New Hampshire, efforts to locate a cell tower a short distance from Rye L- Elementary School have been shot down by the town school board following parents concerned about potential health effects for children and out of Kittery, Maine, Portsmouth Naval Shipyard has been crossed off the list of the most contaminated sites in the country by the EPA after a 30-year cl- cleanup process costing millions. And that's it for today's reading of USA Today. I've been reading from the Tuesday, February 27, 2024 issue. If you have any questions about the articles, call the Chris Listener line at 860-727-9579. I'm Lou Mirando, and so long until next time.